Hey there, I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. Did you grow up in the 70s, 80s, or 90s? I wish you did. Well, we've got a podcast for you. The Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. We cover all things retro. Like toys, movies, cartoons, video games, food, anything that we grew up with, we talk about the way we remember it. So check out the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And we're a proud member of the Electronic Media Collective. Check them out, electronicmediacollective.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. You're listening to Moose's Monster Mash, and I'm Corin Nemec from Stargate SG-1, Supernatural, Parker Lewis Camp Lose, and a host of other items that are coming up soon. See you on the interwebs. Valentine's Day themed uh, movies talk about that uh, topic that you know the, the, the two things that go together better than peanut butter and jelly peanut butter and chocolate love and thunder you know murder and love so you met him in December brought him back for the season to dismember please welcome the king of hearts himself comatose hello internet world podcasting land I am back and it is great to have you back. No, thank you, sir. You gave me some homework. I did. I'm excited to talk about it. So, now, when I started planning this episode a few months ago, I sent out an open an open call. It was, who wants to talk Valentine's movies? And you were the first one. You're like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just like talking. Right. That's all there is to it. So it's like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, like I said, this is, a, you know, tale as old as time. I mean, love and murder go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, it, it's, the, they seem to always be connected. I would say a lot of my own artistry and music is, I've referred to myself as the Barry White of horrorcore. I've, <laughs> I have quite a few twisted love tales and my discography so uh, this is definitely my wheelhouse <laughs> well so let's get into uh, some of the ones that we uh, talked uh, we were watching and that let's start with uh, Valentine starring oh uh, David Boreanaz yep yeah, David Boreanaz, Denise Richards uh, Marley Shelton Catherine Heigl too yep and she'll show up again later on our uh, list 
Yes. Uh, now, I remember going to see this movie when it came out in theaters. Because I was a... And the only reason I went was because I was a David Boreanaz fan because of Angel. Okay. And I was like, alright, cool, he's in something else. I'm gonna go see it. Right. And I remember watching it, and I was like, well, it's not a movie to write home about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But that's a very broad spectrum. <laughs> no, it, right. It's not the greatest, it's not the worst. No. no. Uh, like, it is definitely a product of the early 2000s. Without a doubt. Yo, it, it falls into the, alright, we're gonna make, we, we want to make a group slasher movie, and we kind of want to do the whodunit, you know, in the vein of Scream and, you know, all those that came before it, but we want to make it a holiday-themed one, and they did. Yeah, it's the summation of it, the way I put it, is it's Scream and Valentine's Day clothing. Yeah. It's the whole, after about, was it, 97 to about 2005, you have all those movies of, it's Scream, but in a different setting. Yep. Pretty actors. And who done the, who's the man behind the mask, Scooby? And it's just like, I didn't see this in the theater because I was, I, from that time frame, 97 to about 2005, 6, I hated horror. Because it was all the same movie for those set of years, and I just wanted to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just, yeah. It, I'm surprised. I looked at the movie poster. I was expecting to see everybody on the poster with the killer in the middle and the title, just like all those movie posters look the same. With the blood you know drip I mean? and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's actually, it's the Cupid mask and like uh, a notebook writing on mesh. And I was like, okay. So at least you change the formula just a smidge. Yeah, I mean, but, it's like in diving into it. There's not like like you said. There's not a whole lot to dive into because it really is that early two thousands formula of teen love. Well, I mean, it, it's really not teens. No, yeah, it, it, they're like well, maybe they're teens, maybe they're nineteen, but they're definitely as a young adult. Yeah, because they're all talking about college, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and stems from something that happened uh, as kids. You know, a uh, scorned loser turns into not loser, wants his revenge. Yeah, it's, it's, it was like, uh, what was that movie? Oh, with the jester in the abandoned high school. I, no, I, oh, I can't think of it. It's from the 80s. I was like, this is starting off just like that movie. Yeah. So basically, they, they stole Scream in that movie. Well, say they, they, they used a lot of the same tropes from and story arcs from a, a lot of horror movies, and again, that's why I say it was a, a victim of the early two thousands. Oh yeah, because th that was the trend in the you know popular horror films of the time was like, all right, this works from this one, this works from this one, this works from this one. Let's put them together, and we have a movie. Right, without question. Um, in that movie, I'm looking for it and I can't find it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna search this all night and then just send you a te random text message like, telling you what it is. <laughs> I'm down. Like this one. Uh, <sighs> I'll probably be editing this episode, so that works. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Th this is a movie, though. I would like to see get the remake treatment. 
Ooh, I would have to disagree. Um, well, let's... just the reason being is because I don't. If you were to remake this, in my opinion, you would have to completely change the formula, make it completely something different. The mask idea was cool, in my opinion. The little cherub mask and, and the black coat. Okay, that's an icon you can kind of step behind. But that would be the only thing that came out of the whole thing. The, the costuming and the date. That's well, it. And th- that's, th- that's basically what I'm going with, is you take oh, okay. kind of the premise, right? strip everything else away, and give it like a darker, kind of a more serious remake. Yeah, stop making it so pretty and so MTV. Say so kind of like the next two movies we're going to talk about, but we'll get there in a minute. Right. But if you know, I, I think if you were to hand this off to like Lionsgate and give them that's you know, not foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, give them you know carte blanche. Say here, I want a dark remake. Right. Turn this into a horror film, not a you know not popcorn horror. You I would want be good at it. Horror movie. Ari Aster. Very much so. Ari Aster could take a Valentine's Day horror movie because he already has proven his his, his salt in building relationship movies because that's what he calls Midsummer, just a breakup movie. Mm-hmm. That's what he, he summarizes it as. So a love movie. The, I mean, his new movie. Uh, God, I can't remember called some, but he, he he refers to that one as a dark comedy. So I'm yeah. excited to see his take on a dark comedy. You know, but yeah, strip everything else away, give it the darker treatment. I think there's enough of a skeleton there that it could have a knockout movie. I think you've got a lower jaw. I wouldn't give it a skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's the DNA. Yeah, something. Because, yeah, Valentine, when when I was watching it, because truth be known, this was my first time ever watching it. I, this was like, this is the reason why I steered away from this years of horror. This is the exact reason why I hate these things. The popcorn horror. It's pretty, everyone's like 35, pretending they're 20. Uh, The killer's killing is very muted. Uh, The the kill scenes aren't nothing to write home about at all. They're very bland. This movie was made for like a USA up all night. Mm -hmm. Like if it were still around, they don't really have to edit much because... In the realm of, like, tits and ass, there's not much at all. The gore is, on a scale of 1 to 10, about a 2.5. And, and, yeah, just, it's just, I hated these movies. <laughs> so, thank you for that pain. I appreciate it. So, I'm guessing you won't be re-watching it. No, uh, once is enough. Uh, my wife was home when I was watching it. She's like, what is this? And I'm like, mm, <laughs> let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> well, then I gave her my whole diatribe on my thesis of movies from 97 to 2006. You're like, this asshole made me watch it. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right, though. We we turn it around coming up after this. And then, uh, but yeah, like, rewatchability, it's not one that you can definitely throw in from time to time, but like, if you like popcorn horror, it's definitely one you could throw in once a year, and you'll get a fun ride out of it. Out of that, outside of that, you're probably not going to watch it very often. No, I, you know what? This movie is based on a book called Valentine. I'd actually be interested to see how the book differs from this movie. Oh, very much so. Because it's 
It says it's based on, which whenever a movie is based on a book, usually it's Hollywood destroys the original source material. Yeah. It takes like three things out of it and says, oh yeah, it's based on this book. It's uh, so it could literally be the title, a character name, and a setting. Yeah. And they're like, based on the book. Yep. Fuck. So I'd be interested in reading the book to see how it differs. And maybe Tom Savage, uh, the author of the original, has something really good here. So definitely something I'll, I'll put on the back burner. I was say maybe uh, Hollywood just kind of Amber heard it. Oh, I'm sure they did. Without question. So let's move into the uh, next two. And obviously this one did get the dark remake. Um, yes. And that's My Bloody Valentine. And you want to talk about night and day differences. Oh, for sure. Now, the 81 version, like, watching it, I feel like it could have been... It, <laughs> It was the movie Stripes with horror. Like, picture an old school Zemeckis movie. Right. With John Candy, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it Bill has Murray, that, and... It has the, that look and, and directing style and cinematography style. I can see that. And then up until, like, the last, like, 45 minutes to an hour, it really gets into that horror. You know, but there's, like, it's... Horror comedy up until probably about the last 45 minutes to an hour, and then it's horror. Yeah, but even then, at, at the beginning, they're still not pulling no teeth. They're, they're showing you shit. Yeah. Without, yeah, without question. It, it, it was, like, it, it's fun because it wasn't, you, you figure 81, there's a lot of horror going around. So you had to find a way to separate yourself. And I, I think they found a nice realm to fall into you know town called valentine's bluff and you know there's this uh you know they're haunted by this uh miner that went insane and which i laughed when you you know brought up that it was you know the last one was a scooby-doo movie because i was <laughs> thinking about the minor 49er and scooby-doo right. Right, right right you know just the fact that you know a minor can be a uh, horror, just a villain, but like on on the surface, you look at it, and you're like, yeah, that would be pretty fucking scary. Yeah, um, a dude running at you with a pickaxe and a gas mask, all dusty, dirty, nasty. Yeah, and it, it's I, it's one of those times where they balance the horror and the comedy. I think just right. For sure, I I have no qualms actually with this movie, other than. No. The pacing is a little slow to get into it for an eighties movie. Usually, eighties movies open up; they're kind of balls to the wall, like from the jump. This one actually does build a little bit, goes a little bit slower, which is okay. And I think I might know why you kind of get that stripes feeling, that independent kind of weirdness. It's a Canadian movie. I don't know if you know that about well, my yeah, Valentine. It's, yeah, it's the Canadian movie, and I think part of it is. Uh, I think the guy's name is TJ. Looks like John Candy. <laughs> yeah, kinda, kinda. Like the whole time I'm watching it, and you know, I've watched this a thousand times. I'm just I'm watching it recent, rewatching it for this. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I agree, for sure. It's Uncle Buck. <laughs> 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 you know, but the here's a quarter. Go downtown. <laughs> Face. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts. Uh, 
you know, I mean, opens up with what we think is going to be a sex scene in the mine. Mm. And as a viewer, you're like, well, that's a weird place to do it. I mean, I might have had sex in weirder places. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why not? Mining shaft, knock that off the list. Well, definitely got knocked off. Yeah, for Uh, sure. Set them up, you knock them out. Yeah, I'll bet it. First kill of the movie. (laughs) And then, yeah, it was kind of a slow burn from there. And then, yeah, it starts to pick up a little bit. And it, it the one thing I really liked about the original My Bloody Valentine is it had that 70s, 80s trope of the uh, doomsayer. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, uh, old Crazy Ralph. Yeah, let's say Crazy Ralph, in this case, uh, Happy the Bartender. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be you! <laughs> Right. Yo, Those hands down, the, favorite character. I, I think my lifelong calling is, as a kid, I've always wanted to be that guy in a movie. Yeah. I've always wanted to be the dude saver, the guy who is in the know, knows the legend, will warn everybody, and then ends up dying like 10 minutes in the film. Yeah. That's like my lifelong, I think. Like, it is always my favorite role in a film. Cause exactly. It's just like, you know, in, in every one of them, whether it's Crazy Ralph or, you know, Happy, it's... You know, the legend says, you know, he'll cut, he, you know, can't have a party. He'll come back and stop you. And so but don't plan on having a party. Right. You might not wake up Sunday morning. Don't, don't, don't let that love slip out, pal. You'll pay for it tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I would, I would kill to play a role like that sometime. Yeah. It's, it, it just, it seems like a lot of fun to be a crazy old cotter. Codger, excuse me. Uh, did you have a favorite death in the original? Um, you know, the, the the thing that stuck with me the most, and it still kind of haunts me as an adult, was the whole dryer kill. Like, she just looks gross. Yeah. Like, I want to hear the thumping and the rattling and uh-huh. the build and the suspense to it. You're like, oh, what's in there? What's in there? And as a kid, that, like, freaked me the fuck out. And it still makes me feel a certain way as an adult. I mean, there's a lot of pickaxe killing in here, which is fun. And I think they actually have a funner job in the remake with the pickaxe kills. Mm-hmm. But the dryer kill to me has always been something that's kind of been innovative. I don't, I can't think off the top of my head anybody else dying inside of a dryer. So I, 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 I like that one. That's, you know, innovative. The, the gore was kind of gross. And as a kid, it, it, it burned in my psyche. I'm like, I never want to get inside of a dryer in my entire life. Yeah, I say it definitely worked as a don't hide in a dryer, kids. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's arguably my favorite one as well. Uh, nice. So I think we'd both agree this has pretty high rewatchability. I mean, it came out in '81; it's still going strong. Oh, for sure. I, as of, I think it was right before the pandemic, they released it in 4K, and I snatched up a copy. So mm-hmm. it's one of those movies I definitely own and have on the shelf, and always rewatch at least once or twice a year. And then it's a classic. It, it you know with it being a classic, it got the 3D, not sequel, but remake treatment. I would say sequel. Almost just because of how the story goes. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be spoiling things around there for people who haven't seen it. Are we? Are we spoiling? I mean, we can. It's, it's been okay, out long enough. Spoiler warning. I say, Harry if, you, Wharton, if, if you haven't watched my bloody Valentine 
3D. Stop! Right. Come oh, back later, warning. but stop. Spoiler warning, Harry Warden is in this, but he's not the killer. He is actually, like, passed on through a stare, I guess, or blood in your eyes, because he does get some blood on him, and passes it on to someone else. So it's like Harry Warden was a killer, but then moved it on. So I kind of, much like the Evil Dead remake, I saw it as, like, I don't want to say an alternate universe, but a in-the-same-universe-but-way-down-the-road type of remake. Like, yeah, it, it still honors the original source material by having Harry Warden as a supposed crazy minor killer, but then he kind of passes it on a la Michael Myers in the last movie. I said <laughs> last Michael Myers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it kind of passes on the craziness, which, yeah. I said it's definitely some sort of, like, possession, uh, like, Im- like, implied possession. Something. Uh... Definitely some, like, schizophrenia psychosis going on. Yeah. So, and that, that, I mean, so I I think reboot is a better term than a remake because it just, it borrows, it kind of honors the past and then does its own thing with it, which I kind of actually liked. And I did see this in theaters in 3D when it came out because I was such a fan of the original as a child. So seeing it in 3D and then not watching it in 3D to get a refresher was kind of fun. It's much like watching uh, Friday the 13th. 3D, not in 3D, you can be like, oh, this is what they were trying to do in 3D. Oh, that's cool. So it's always fun watching a non 3D or a 3D movie in non 3D just to be like, boy, you really stuck that handle in the game. Well, and I will say, watching the 3D movie now, um, it the, the, the effects definitely hold up better than old 3D movies did because you could still get the feel for what was going on. Yeah, and surprisingly, for being this this era of a movie, the digital effects aren't heavy. No. They still did a lot of practical effects, and I'm going to probably say that's Lionsgate's doing. Yeah, as I say, Lionsgate typically uh, likes the practical. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely had, and I, I hate saying this because of when it happened, I had an eye-roll moment in the movie, and it was when uh, one of the characters lost their eye, <laughs> the seems, eye roll on the eye? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it happens in almost every 3D horror treatment. Somebody has to get an eye jabbed out and st- stuffed at the camera. I'm just like, oh, oh. <laughs> come on. Um, you know, the original, quote-unquote, for my era of horror movies in 3D, that was the first 3D movie I think I ever saw was... Friday the 13th. <laughs> or no, no uh, it's a lie. Sorry. I would have seen Freddy's Dead in 3D first. And then I believe I saw that 3D. But I think I think it was just a nod to the slasher since it's in the same time frame, you know. Yeah. When did part three come out? Did it come out in 81 or 82? It's got to be right around there. Early. Yeah, that, that window. And so the original came out in also 81. So why not throw a little homage to the original eyeball gag? I, I actually kind of dug it. I, 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 I said, tip my hat to you, sir. Well, and in the vein of homages, it also threw in the dryer scene. It did. It sure did. That, and that an made industrial me motherfucking dryer. So yeah, that, that definitely uh, perked me up a little bit. It's like, hell yeah. Yeah, and the, and the weird thing is, like, I'm usually 50-50 about remakes. Like, ah, they could do so much better. Oh, they actually improved on it. This is one of those instances where I think they actually... I don't want to say improve because the, the original is such a classic and such a great thing, but it is a good entry into 
a reboot territory is a good way to put it. Like it, it pays homage. It does its own thing, and it's not terrible. That's a, this I would is say definitely one of those that can, in like a fan perspective, can blow the original out of the water. Yeah, if, if you've never seen the original and you've only seen this one, and you go back to the original, you might actually think of this one's better just yeah. because of the old timiness to it. And the cool thing is, I actually looked up the information on this one. Just to see how successful it was, because I thought it might have been a dud. Actually, this one did amazing. It was a $14 million budget. It pulled 100 So I'm really surprised we didn't get a new franchise out of this. Me too. Which is really crazy. Hollywood usually sucks everything dry until it dies. Especially over at Lionsgate. Yeah. <laughs> how many saws are we on? Like, right. 10? It's not that anything. Well, and like, they even leave it open to, you know. Yeah. At least sure make another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's Jensen Ackles doing nowadays? Well, and that's uh, what I was, you know, this is one of those roles that I would love to see him revisit. Yeah. He, he actually, he, I mean, I'm a, let's, let's rewind that whole thought process because I got really excited. <laughs> uh, I actually enjoyed Supernatural for what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, taking all these uh, commonplace tales of, you know, the white woman in the dress, Bloody Mary, all that stuff, and you're making a TV show about it. It's not too bad. And to see Jensen Ackles actually get to play something a little more demented, a little more R-rated, a little more adult, he's actually really mm-hmm. good in this. Yeah. He plays that that uh, dual role of, I'm crazy, I'm not crazy, I'm crazy, I'm not crazy, really well. And that stare that he gave us on the closing shot, I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I'm ready for a second one. Like, yeah. let's go. It was really good. You know, and I mean, it's been long enough now that if they went, if they did the treatment like they have been doing with, like, Michael Myers and uh, Scream, where they go with, like, the real-time uh, distance between movies. Yeah. Could you imagine what the time would do to his character? It'd be way more different. I think it would be off the rails, like... Hand this over to someone who likes to get dirty with their movies, because I think this this could be amazing. It's been, what, this was in 2009, I think? Yeah. So, yeah, we're 15 years later, fucking let's rock. I was going to say, by the time, like, if you started writing it now, by the time they get into production, get it all done, we could be at the 20-year mark. Yeah. In no time. That'd be fun. And you'd have this guy who survived, basically living in the woods off the grid, who's already out of his mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Just going further out of his mind. It be a lot of fun. And I think if you were to, to don like some new uh, Harry Warden outfit, per se, you could age that 20 years and just make it all types of fucked up looking. Well, and you could also feed off of the, you know, the, the, the story from the first one of, you know, you know 20, you know, it's been yeah, 20 you could have years. Your crazy, you could have your crazy old man doing his spout. Yeah. He told you not to go to that mine. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's one that deserves a uh, new treatment in this age of let's revisit the movies for sequels. For sure. And I, I do want to throw my, my little note that I have here, because I am a big Tom Atkins mark. Tom Atkins is in this movie, and he's wonderful. I, I, I have, a, I think, a childhood hard-on for Tom Atkins ever since <laughs> Halloween 3, so... <laughs> And the Night of the Creeps was one of my favorite horror films. It's like one of my probably top 20 horror films of all time. And that's a movie I'd actually like to see as well. So shout out to Tom Atkins. The man's man. Okay, so 
We have a connection from one of the earlier films we talked about. Right. Uh, one of the staffers on the film worked on the TV series The Hunger. Okay. Ran from 97 to 2000. Never heard of this show. I vaguely remember it. Uh, after looking into it, I definitely want to look it up. Because, like, Bowie's in it. So it's like, oh, I kind of want to check this out. But, uh, what I found interesting is Brad Dourif is in an episode. Oh, well, I'm down then, because I'm a Dourif mark. I say, which then ties us into our final movie of the uh, conversation, and that's yes. Bride of Chucky. Oh, buddy. Now, this is rock and roll horror, in my opinion. It's oh, such yeah. such a fun fucking film. Do not take... If, if you've never seen Bride of Chucky and you're experiencing or, or wanting something that's going to give you some shivers or, or scary, this is not that movie. This is just balls to the wall, fun, and gore. Yeah, no, this is Chucky meets pop culture. Oh, for sure. Without question. This was essentially that same switch that Freddy had years ago, you know, when Freddy met pop culture. Yeah, when... This is oh. Chucky's pop culture switch. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, because, well, yeah, what was the one before this? Three? The army one? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, for 100%. Because they, they, they inject, like, just so a lot of actual good humor. Because when I first watched this, this actually did make me laugh out loud at parts. Yeah! The, the pinhead gag, where have I seen that before? Like, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Um, and then that Rob Zombie, you know, have a, his, his song in here, which originally was supposed to be an ICP song, which was also cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this movie is just a blast from top to bottom. And plus you get Jennifer Tilly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to lie. One of, the, one of the few horror autographs that I have is a Jennifer Tilly picture signed as, uh, oh God, why can't I think of her name? It's Tiffany. Thank you. Ooh, <laughs> I knew my brain was going to Yeah, I have a Tiffany signed autograph from Jennifer Tilly. I was like, that, that's got to go up there. So yeah. Well, and like, the movie's full of Easter eggs and nods. I mean, when it starts out, you're walking through the police lockup, and it firmly places uh, Chucky in-universe with Jason, Leatherface, Freddy, Michael Myers. All their stuff is in police lockup. Which is weird, because it's violating so many different movie houses. Yeah! I wonder how they got away with that. I'd love to hear the story on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you're walking through police lockup, and like, there's the hockey mask, there's Mm -hmm. a glove, there's the chainsaw, there's... Like, the the one they can only legally get away with would have been Michael Myers. Yes, and then there was the Michael Myers mask. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a Michael Myers mask, and then they have a glove, which is a Freddy glove. There's no pulling punches there. Hockey mask, it was a generic one. It wasn't a movie-accurate one, and they just threw a chainsaw in there, and it wasn't like a Sawyer chainsaw or... Anything like that, but as a, if you watch any fucking horror movie, you know what they're saying, right? You know, it's just like holy shit. Yeah, they were having fun with that movie. And I mean, at one point, the, the it, it, one point in the movie, they start poking fun at themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, I can't remember the. It's a very self-aware horror movie. Oh yeah, like I can't Almost remember the line so that uh, you know comes as a predecessor, but. You know, Chucky's talking about his story, and he's like, if this were a movie, it's a very complex story, and it'd take three or four very solid sequels to really do it justice. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh my god! 
It's so yes. And it's good that way. It's very, it's like what, what Scream did, but put it in an actual slasher movie. Not yeah. Like a whodunit, which is really fun. Because I'm really more, I'm, I'm way more of a fan of actual slashers than a whodunit. Whodunits are kind of, like I said, that whole, that whole 10 years of 2000s movies made me tire of whodunits for the rest of my life. So the fact that they just did it with a slasher kind of genre, I was like, yeah, I like that. It's comedy. It's horror. It is like the ultimate bad boy love story. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, everyone talks out. about Joker and Harley as the a, a toxic relationship. This is like the poster child for relationship toxicity. One hundred percent. So much so that she even gets herself a fake bad boy at the beginning. Yeah. To try to fill the role of, of what Chucky is. But it doesn't work out so well. No, it's just like, good gravy. But, but I, I, I think this would uh, uh, also maybe tip its hat a little bit to uh, Sleepaway Camp with uh, Glenn being of both sexes, I guess, is how to put it. Yeah. You know, because Glenn gets bored at the end of this, and, and of course, Glenn's whole thing in Cedar Chucky is he doesn't know what he is, and, and Angela is, is both. So it's like maybe they were nodding to that even. So I, I thought this whole movie just has so many Easter eggs upon Easter eggs. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's a fun watch from top to bottom. Yeah, and yeah, it's, I, I think it is probably my favorite in the Chucky franchise. You know, weirdly enough, I actually like three. Out of the original, <laughs> the original trilogy is actually my favorite. I don't know why. I just love that movie. But if I if I were to look at the franchise as a whole, this is probably the funnest movie out of the entire franchise. I say, just the kills are fun. I mean, yeah. the, and they get gory in this too. They they didn't really pull punches on here either. I say they didn't pull punches, and I've got to give it to the puppeteers on this movie. Oh yeah, I mean they had to coordinate puppet sex. <laughs> Is that a sentence you thought you were going to say today? No. <laughs> and honestly, that's a sentence I never thought I'd say in my right. life. And here you are. <laughs> Only on Moose's podcast, Puppet Sex. You know, but yeah, it's... You know, you're watching this movie, and Chucky and Tiffany get into it. Mm-hmm. And you think... You had to think there's probably three or four puppeteers working on each of these puppets. So, and then so- someone had to mouth... Tiffany, Chucky, rubber. Tiff, I'm made of rubber. I am rubber. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so it's too, like the this, movie's too much, dude. It was like this orgy of puppeteers. Right. And it, it, like I said, it's, it's 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 sharp with its comedy. Just that that's an example how sharp that comedy was. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yo, know, I mean, it's got it. I just watched it again last night. I can go turn it on right now and still laugh my ass off. Yeah, that, that's probably one of my comfort horror movies where I can just throw it on and have a good time in the background no matter what I'm doing just throw it on and then I can throw my quips out there and follow along with it and have some fun it's Mm -hmm. it's a good background horror movie if after you've seen it a few times oh yeah you know I I I definitely think it's probably not the one to start your kids on no (laughs) not in any way sure but you you would have so much explaining to do with that movie there, there's, there's a, it's a dull humor. There's nothing that yeah, a child could grab onto and be like, oh, this is fun. Like I think my, if I remember correctly, my first horror movie was Halloween three, cut and dry, no crude humor. It's just here's some masks. Kids are dying. Creepy old man sacrifices. Grab onto 
This movie has a lot of subtext. A lot of subtext. Like, including the detective who I think had a thing for the dolls. John Ritter? No, the detective at the end of the movie. Just the Uh, way he was uh, touching Tiffany to see if she was alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. That part's still not mine. You're right. You know, he he seemed a little touchy-feely. I agree. Like, 100%. that, That just... I mean, there's curiosity to see if the thing's living, and then there's, uh, if this thing's alive... A little handsy. I wonder what it could do. (laughs) And that's more where he looked like he was falling, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah, you you need to invest about $2,200 for a good sex doll, pal. Yeah, don't just find (laughs) one that's burned up on the side of the road. And that's only, like, a foot tall. Come on. Yeah. Have some standards, damn it. If you're going to fuck plastic, invest some money. Yeah. Not something you find in the graveyard. That's definitely rule number one. <laughs> don't fuck something you find in the graveyard. It's like life lesson number one. Don't fuck anything you find in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's sound advice for all the listeners out there. On that note, I think this has been <laughs> a very productive Valentine's Day. Uh, so, out of all of them, the only one... All of them are highly rewatchable, except Valentine. Valentine. And that's just because, and that falls more under user preference. If you like popcorn horror, it's right up your alley. Uh, I I don't even know what I'd call it popcorn horror. I'd call it formulaic horror, because it follows the formula to a T. Like, there was, when I... Like I said, I went in, never saw this movie before, and I knew that David Boreans was the killer. <laughs> I just knew it. I'm like, it's the boyfriend. I don't care what happens. And then they tried to, they gave me the swerve at the end. Spoilers, sorry if you haven't seen Valentine. <laughs> but they, they make, they, they lay it on the fat girl. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe they did get me. Because you know, I, I picked David Boreans as the killer at the beginning. I'm like, oh, it was the fat girl. That sucks. And then his nose bleeds. I was like, ha! I knew it! From the jump! <laughs> It, it follows the scream formula to a T. It's uh-huh. the boyfriend. The yep. boyfriend. Ugh. Disgusting. Get it out of here. Not palpable. So if we've learned anything, it's be nice to dorky kids. For sure. Don't have sex in mines. Don't have Valentine's Day parties if a dead miner tells you not to. Mm-hmm. And don't fuck things in graveyards. Anything from the graveyard. You can, you can fuck things in the graveyard. That's right. That's don't fuck things you get from a graveyard. 100%. Sound advice. So, where can listeners find the song from the start of the episode and uh, is, your other stuff? Oh, uh, that song was a single, but is now part of a collective CD that you can only get when you come see me at a live show. Hold on. Oh, actually, yes, I, I was going to say that. If you are in the Omaha area, or if not, and you just want to come to the Omaha area. Right. Come to the Reverb Lounge on February 21st at 7 p.m. Come see our guest, Cody Mason, Manson, Mumbles, Scar the Monster, Psychotic, and Killing Field Records. It's $10 in advance, $15 day of show. Get your tickets at etix.com. And I'll be on there as well. I said, <laughs> you to save me. I you? said our guest. Oh, our guest. Oh, I- <laughs> Sorry, I have, I have names. Come with those. 
I inter- God, uh, I introduced you at the beginning of the show. I got to introduce you did. now, too? Yeah, I mean, we got to, it's repetitive. We got to get listeners head high. I'm comatose. I have a very soldier. I have known as the very white of horror. Um, also, I've shown the week, very sultry tones of yeah. comatose at Reverb I've, Lounge I've, on February I've been told 21st. I have the dulcet tones. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, I'll be there February 21st. I'll have a show two days later. I'll be there, too. Lonies. Uh, Maloney's were opening up with the uh, grandfather of the horrorcore genre in St. Poetry. He's got a little group called the Nomads. He's going to be there. I'll be there. Um, I bring in my homie, Mr. Gates, with me for a couple songs on the set because I am doing two completely different sets. Since you I'm taking your homies to Maloney's? <laughs> taking the homies to Maloney's. You got bars. Want to switch places? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, homies to Maloney's because, um, like I said, I do two shows in the same week, so I am going to be doing two different shows during the same week so if you do come see me twice you'll get two different songs or two different songs completely different songs <laughs> two different shows uh, but you can find me on thecutshop.com that's c-u-t-t-s-h-o-p.com don't forget to put the in front of it because if you go to cutshop.com it's going to take you to some Japanese website I have no idea what it's about but people have told me this so that's a weird thing otherwise you can find me on all your local local <laughs> national worldly streaming services iTunes Spotify all that stuff Comatose, K-O-M-A-T-O-S-E. When he gets an OnlyFans, he'll be sure to let you know. <laughs> I, just show, I just show my elbow. That's all. Yeah. I, I, write, I write sayings on it for my subscribers. <laughs> I, I net like six bucks. Elbow so fans. Cool. You know? Got to. Yeah. And listeners, you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com. Or, if you just want to follow me, you can... Head over to Facebook or Twitter at Moose Media Inc. And we're now on YouTube as well. Um, comatose, this has been fun again. Thanks, man. Having me on. I really do appreciate it. I love chit chatting about horror, especially. Oh, hell yeah. And I will be at the show on February 21st. Dope. And listeners. Like I said, if you are in the Omaha area or, again, just want to come to Omaha for some reason, this is a good reason. I'm pretty there, Jay. You come in for the weekend. I think it's a weekend. Feels like no. a weekend. <laughs> uh, it's on a Tuesday. Come on out on a Tuesday. Come out on a Tuesday. Hang around for a couple days. Come see him at Reverb. Then go see him at him and his homies at Maloney's. Homies at Maloney's. And then if you stay... For the whole week, and you came out of town, show me your out-of-state ID. We'll go get lunch. Even offer lunch. I bet no one takes me up on that. Offer. So that's why I put it out there. You can't be from Iowa. You better not be from Pennsylvania. Because Maloney's with the homies is in Iowa, so that don't count. You better be from Kansas or South Dakota or some shit. <laughs> it better be worth the travel. Damn right. Okay, put it this way. You have to travel at least two and a half hours. And then maybe we'll do some lunch. Potential <laughs> lunch winner. So check him out on all the streaming services. Check me out on streaming services. And be sure to tune back in in a couple weeks for another new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm Moose. He's comatose. And until next time, more rounds. Mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Mash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. 